Blog Talk Radio. another episode of Two It Tuesdays right here on Indie Fire with your girl, Nakia. Guys, let me tell you really quickly, like earlier today, I didn't even think I was going to be able to be on tonight. Um, I had a little incident and um, lost my voice. And so uh, we've been working the past two hours to get this voice back. And I think I am, I'm back. I may, you know, scratch just a little bit, but I think I'm back. So excited to be here with you all this evening. Oh, happy July. You guys, happy July. Like I told, you know, the you guys know I work for the, you know, New York State Department of Labor. And so I tell claimants every day that um, it seems like March, it took March for six or seven months for us to get through two and a half weeks in March. But now April, May, and June, they've all just sped by. And here we are in July. Like it'll be December before you know it, you know. Um, so with that being said, you know, new month. Um, what have we got going on here? Like this coming Thursday, yeah, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will have, finger across, guys, finger across. You know, I made a, a statement last week, and I had to retract that statement. Um, but I made a statement last week saying, you know, like I don't understand how those who deal with artists in the mainstream, you know, I, I don't know how you have the patience to deal with them because the way my PTSD is set up, like I can't, I can't deal with them. And so, um, you know, like I said, I retracted that statement because we've been afforded the opportunity to work with two mainstream artists, and I'm so excited to hopefully, fingers crossed, have them here this month as they had to reschedule last month. So Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, multi-award-winning um, rap hip-hop artist Richie Evans will be here with us. You may notice the name. Um, he has a track with Eric Bellinger. He has one with Mano. Um He's worked with the game, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm I'm just fingers crossed everything will work out. Nothing will come up, and he'll be able to grace us with his presence. All right. So 6:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for you guys in the mountain area where he is. That's going to be 4:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right. So make sure that you hear. Did you get an opportunity to listen to Monday Morning Motivation right here with Cosmo Moore yesterday morning on My Struggle Is My Strength? You didn't. You should have. You miss a treat, you know. You never know the lives that you're affecting by the opportunities that are given to you um, and the ones that you receive. And I'm just so elated when I met him last year, you know, and we clicked. And um, he is now doing this show. You know, I wanted to 
be able to incorporate the I in indie, which is inspiration, um, in, you know, our lineup of shows and just didn't know how I was going to do that. And I thought, you know, well, I'm always talking about, you know, how important it is that we, you know, are grounded in our faith and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, um, and how important motivation and encouragement and empowerment is. And so um, it's just one night it just came to me. Here it is. Here's your eye. And so what he, these gems that he drops on Monday morning, we can take them with us throughout the week. You know what I'm saying? If we activate our own faith and apply it to what he's given us um, in these purpose points is what I like to call them, um, just that motivation that you're missing, you know what I'm saying, that encouragement that you're needing, all of that is, is, is there. All right? So this week's points of purpose, we talked about what he talked about. You know, we did the series head first, and um, this subtopic was entitled, Let Me Be Great. All right, so purpose point number one was that the greatest person is the person that serves the most. I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, I, I tell people all the time, we are all blessed with a ministry. I never said that we were all blessed to be ministers. I said we were all blessed with a ministry. And it is for each one of us to tap into what that gift is. You know, and, and this downtime right now is a perfect opportunity for so many people to, you know, find what it is that is missing, tap into your creative side, you know. And so um, for me, my ministry is to be able to serve, you know, um, others. Uh, purpose point number two was that you are gifted for service. <laughs> so not just me, you are gifted for service as well. You possess gifts and talents um, that reside within you. Again, um, it is within each one of us during this downtime to be able to tap into what it is that is inside of us or that resides inside of us. And perfect point number three was um, you have to have a servant's mindset, right? Look for every opportunity to serve. Um, and don't take the word, you know, out of context. We're not talking about, like, waiters in a restaurant or whatever, um, but in, in whatever capacity that you feel led to serve, um, all of us, you know, in order to be able to do so, you have to have a servant mindset. You can't be so self-centered and stuck on yourself and always worrying about what's going to happen for me, 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 you know, how can I benefit? You have to be able to um, sometimes put yourself aside to be able to assist others. So, again, if you missed yesterday's episode, you know, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, we're on um, iHeartRadio, you know, type in Indesire, you'll be able to pull up My Struggle Is, My Strength with Casa Moore, live here every Monday morning at 7 a.m. All right? You guys know what today is? Raise your hand. You know, you know what today is? Today is July 7th, 2020, known as Blackout Day, all right, where many are celebrating uh, the power of buying black by showing Black America's trillion-dollar spending power and supporting a Black-owned business. Now, I want y'all to keep the same energy on Friday, July 10th, when my daughter ran opens Tranquil Vibes. You've seen all of the, you know, advertisements for it, and we have a lot more that are coming within the next two days. Um, but she decided during this downtime um, away from college that she was going to start this premium bath bomb business so my house has so many scents right now um it is so fragrant from the time you walk in the door every room that you go in has a different scent um because it's just all kind of you know um gathering together you know in the area that she's working but then she decided that she wanted to add bath salts to the mix and so 
you know, I love my baths, but now I have all of these fragrance and very relaxing baths that I get to, because I get to, you know, test out all of the products. And so all of my baths, they've just been so luxuriating. So you guys keep the same energy on Friday the 10th and make sure you support my daughter um, in her first ever, you know, business tranquil vibe. All right? All right. I'm so excited to have my guest here this evening. As I was telling him before the show, I think my anxiety has finally, you know, surpassed and I'm good. I'm back to being regular old Nakia. But if you haven't had the opportunity to read up on my um, guest this evening, Solomon Ali, I, I recommend that you, you know, um, just put his name in the search bar, all right, and pull up um, a wealth of information about this man, all right. He was born, let me get on the right bio, because I actually had to tweak the bio a little bit. Here we go. Solomon Ali was born Richard Marshall Carter in Los Angeles, California in 1964. Solomon has a well-earned reputation as a brilliant entrepreneur and consultant in the financial industry and business community. Throughout his life, Solomon has had a drive that went beyond fundamental classroom teaching, preferring instead to identify with great men of history, seeking knowledge independently from conventional and non-conventional sources. Solomon has over 28 years of business and finance experience, using his expertise to build up disadvantaged and minority entrepreneurs throughout his entire career. His prominent voice and influence have helped minority businesses secure intellectual property, raise funding for startups, bring products to market, and scale their businesses. Mr. Ali's leadership over the years has led to considerable financial growth for multiple companies under his management, whether through stock trading, financial consultation, or the streamlining of operations. Ali has always strived to leave everything he touches in a better condition than he found it. His dedication to this philosophy and penchant for hard work is evident when reviewing just a handful of his projects over his, his career. In the industry of energy, he assisted a company in increasing its annual revenue from $20 million to $75 million. In the private equity industry, his grit and determination managed to turn his $250 startup fund into a multi-million dollar company within several short years. Serving as the officer of a technology company in its development stages, Solomon used his business acumen to bring the company into a position of industry dominance by competently executing the management of its intellectual property assets and licensing. Solomon is a business leader, an invaluable community resource, a capable writer, an unmatched educator, a credible commentator, a man of God, and of family. If you want to learn more about Solomon Ali, head over to the website www.solomonrcali.info. Indie Fire listening audience, I present to you this evening my very, very special guest, financial expert, business leader, educator, commentator, <laughs> Mr. Solomon Ali. How are you this evening? Nakia, I'm doing absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. You are so very welcome, and as I stated before the show, but would always like to publicly um, display my gratitude. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me this evening, because you could have been anywhere, but you've given so freely of your time to be here with myself and my listening audience to share, you know, why it is that you do what you do and why you remain so passionate 
about those things. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Michaela, you are so welcome, and it is truly an honor to be here and share um, whatever wisdom I may have that may help your audience and help people that look like me to actually achieve a little bit more in life. Sounds good. Now, it seems like, um, especially with all the recent events that are going on in the world right now, that everyone is trying to start a business. Like I mentioned, my daughter has decided to jump in, you know, um, becoming an entrepreneur, starting her first business. And, you know, I just see um, businesses popping up every day. Um, What would you say is the most significant obstacle to an entrepreneur um, when they're trying to start a business? Well, Matthias, first let me say congratulations to uh, your daughter um, because that is a big step. And it takes more than a notion to actually start a business. So congrats yes. to your daughter and any other Thank entrepreneur you. that's starting a business. <laughs> um, answer your question, I think one of the most important things is to have a well-written-out plan um, to understand where you're going. Your plan is a roadmap. And that roadmap will be adjusted as you're actually moving along. Um, and so that's the first step. The next thing that I feel, Nikki, is that's very important is to place yourself around people who are far smarter than you and their expertise. Um, you yeah. shouldn't be looking to be the smartest one on your ship. If I'm looking for someone in marketing, I don't want to bring the marketing ideas. I want someone who is an expert and at the top of their game in their industry in marketing. If it's a legal person, the attorney, I, I need them to be the top senior man in their law firm, the top attorney in dealing with contracts or whatever it may be in the industry, that they're known mm-hmm. for that so that I get a bad take advantage of that network. I get to take advantage of all their expertise because when you learn from right, the right. best, even if you don't get everything, if I just get the, I, I'm going to call it like the crumbs off of their table, I'm so much further ahead than everyone else. Yes. And that allows me to provide better service. The next, I'm going to say, hey, solve a problem. You know, don't think about the rewards, what's in it for you. That comes later. Solve a problem. How can you be of service to someone? My Bible tells me, wash the feet of others. And when you're mm-hmm. washing the feet, and what I mean by that is just be of service. Solve right. a problem for them and be good at solving a problem and be humble and meek enough to listen and understand what their problems are so that you can resolve it. So that, that would be the first thing I would say, and that should all be included in your roadmap. And and this is not even the direction that I wanted to go, but sticking with this roadmap right here, um, say someone, you know, has this, and and we've talked with so many other entrepreneurs, you know, about the importance of having um, a business plan. Uh, But say, you know, this this entrepreneur has this business plan, um, they have their roadmap, but they, they hit detours. And they hit, you know, obstacles and um, things come up, things happen. How do they go about pulling themselves back into, 
that written plan and continuing, you know, the mission that they're on? Well, that's that's one of the most difficult and challenging things is to stay on course, to stay following that plan. Well, one of the things that you have to understand is first, it's okay to adjust and make adjustments to the plan. Because when you are looking at it, you are looking at it through rose glasses. Everything seemed right, and all the promise and the hope and everything just seemed right there. But as you start that journey, you may have gotten a little weary along the way and things of that nature. And that's, again, why it's so important to have all the right people around. You have people who are very proficient in what they do. Now, I'm going to back up some because along my journey that actually has taken 34 years, um, here's one of the most important things I have truly found. If you're starting a business today and after you have finished your business plan, which I'm calling a roadmap, when you have finished that, it is extremely important. Do not go out and buy all your inventory and business cards and set up your website and everything of that nature. It is important to get the key people around you first. Get them around you first, because if you get them around you first, that will help you to leapfrog a lot of the little pitfalls and traps Mm -hmm. that you may fall Mm -hmm. into not being, not expecting. The next thing is go find capital. The majority of all businesses in the United States and probably even globally, but definitely here in the United States, fail because of a lack of capital within the first five years. Okay. So that being said, why would I go start a business without securing and using what little resources I already have to, one, attract more people who are smarter than I am, who understand where I'm trying to go, who've been there, done that, okay, and then go find me a finance guy like a Solomon Ali and say, look, this is the business I'm doing. This is where (laughs) I'm going. This is how much money I need to take it there. Um, And let him be challenged with going to help you to raise the capital so that you have enough fuel. Now, I'm going to break it down a little differently. Um, Please do. If you have a car, Nakia, and you got the fastest car out there, but you have no gas, and I have a car, (laughs) and I have the slowest one out there, but I have gas, who's going to win? So that's the way I break it down (laughs) to just make it, you know, kind of humorous because it's like, you know, you're going to fail if you can't put the gas in the car and keep the gas in the car. And that's very important, and that's what money is. And you can't look at money as money. You have to look at it as a tool, okay? It's just part of your resource to help you to achieve your goal, okay? So you have to make sure you have access to that. You know, a lot of people I know, that they're excited, they're fired up, they're ready to go, and the first thing they want to do is get the inventory, they get a couple of clients, and they think everything's going to be peachy king. Until right. all of a sudden, client doesn't pay them or something happens or some checks bounce or, you know, whatever, people return some orders or something and they're not happy, and they're like, oh, wow, now they have a financial problem. 
Mm-hmm. And basically, they're out of gas. And so I would say the team first, and then get you the resources that you will need to help to launch you to where you're trying to go. Because, look, I don't care if you're a startup or if you're a Fortune 100 company, guess what you're going to need? You're going to need that gas. You're going to need the money. Okay? So, you know, even our government from time to time needs money. That's the fuel to keep things going. Okay? This is good. Guys, I hope you're taking notes, all right? This is good. When I tell you this is this topic is, or, or this, you know, everything that Mr. Ali does, um, I'm sorry, I'm not formal. Everything Solomon does seems to be, like, out of my scope of, of understanding. And so as I was trying to, you know, do my research, because I stalk all my guests, because I want to know all about them, I, I learned so many different things, you know, about him and everything that he has going on um, in his life. I understand that your passion um, is connecting startups to capital and helping African-American entrepreneurs launch their own businesses. Where did this desire come from? came, Nakia, from the struggles that I had. Um, you know, traditionally, uh, um, I, I, well, traditionally a lot of people that go into business, especially thinking they either have business experience or they go to school and then go get a little experience and then start a business. Okay. Well, I went in the military right out of high school, got out of the military, couldn't find a job. This was in the um, mid eighties, could not find a job. And so I had to go back and do something that I hated to do after football practice and after track, but all my other friends got to go play and have a good time or just chill. Right. Um, I had to go help my parents to fix up their apartments, so that they can get them rented out and their rental properties and stuff like that. And I mean, I literally hated cleaning up after people, painting and cleaning and replacing toilets and patching holes. I hated it when I was a kid. But as a man, when I couldn't find a job, <laughs> that was the only thing I could do. And I was like, you're laughing, the kid, but I wasn't laughing at the time. I was sweating bullets. And so I, I started a maintenance company and I joined. Within about uh, a 20, 30-mile radius, I joined like three or four apartment associations and made deals, and I was the only black person in the room. Uh, Most of them were all middle-aged white people, things of that nature that was managing apartment complexes and things like that. And so I told them, look, you give me five apartments, I'll clean each one of them for $500. Um, per apartment, and that was the painting, that was the shampoo in the carpets, fixing any holes in the walls and things of that nature. And I very quickly grew that company, and I mean literally very quickly, into like a three and a half to almost a $6 million company within a year and had 70-something employees. And so I was like, okay. And before I got the employees, I went in there, and I was doing the painting and everything, and I remember being on my knees, right? And I said, wow, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want someone else to do that. So I pulled out my calculator, and when I pulled out my calculator, I said, okay, they're paying me X amount of dollars. How long will it take to paint this apartment and things of that nature? So then I was like, okay, right. I'm going to piece this out to someone else who had a spray gun that could do it faster and stuff like that. And so I began mm-hmm. to 
that's how I build it. And so that's where the passion came from. And then as I had some failures in life, and the failures came from, guess what, lack of capital. Business started out mm-hmm. pretty good, turned around, lack of capital, couldn't finish. Banks will tell you, oh, no, we're, we can't give you money. Your business grew too fast. We need to see a historical track record. Um, come back in another year, and let's see if you're still on the same trajectory. Okay, so go to some private equity companies, VCs, and they weren't big back then in the early 80s, okay? So they were really hard to find. Um, And it would be the same thing. Oh, well, it's not exciting, or they wanted 60 to 80% of your company. And so I was like, well, I'm I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not looking to work for anyone. And if you get 80% of my company, I'm basically working for you. And you, yeah. as I got mature, I understood the cost of capital. So that started to teach me. And I said, wow, I wish I knew someone that could have taught me where all these landfills were and I would listen to them. And, you know, we always say that until God brings that person in our life. And when he brings yeah. that person in our <laughs> life, what do we do? We don't listen to them. Oh, yeah, you don't listen? Yeah. <laughs> right. So the kid, we think we know better or that they they don't know, and it's like, oh, no. And so that's why I have a passion for it, because if you're a person that looks like me, if you're a minority, if you're a female, okay, that's in business, if you're a black male that's in business, okay, or any other kind of minority in business, starting a business that look like me and you don't have, a college degree, do not let that stop you. Get fired up, get excited, because 80% of the billionaires out there, guess what? They don't have college degrees. What they have is a complete vision, and they have that roadmap, and they have what we call grit, is that, hey, I'm going to fight until I get there. And I understand things are going to go wrong, that more things are going to happen What? unexpected because that's what life throws at you is different challenges and then I'm going to have to adapt and overcome. And so that's what I want to bring to them. Let's take out you having to adapt and overcome and let's just run right on through and get to the finish line because, see, you don't need to learn something that someone already has learned. You don't need to stumble, bumble, and fall. Okay, or in Mm -hmm. this case, fail, lose your money, lose the equity in your home, lose your retirement, lose your family, friends, money, and things of that nature. Okay, because that's what's going to happen. And, you know, Solomon, I'm telling you the truth. That's what's going to happen to kids. Um, When people just go out there and they don't have that roadmap and they don't have all that expertise around them. And one of the things a lot of people will always say, they always say this. Well, I can't afford to get this person or that person. No, you can't afford to do that based on where you're coming from, based on how Mm -hmm. you're thinking. Okay, because, see, to get some of that brain power, a lot of times those people are glad to sit on your board of directors. They're glad to offer you advice and to help you and be a part of the next best thing or to help change an industry or things of that nature. And so, and a lot of times when you start off with that network, okay, that 
oh, Solomon introduced you to, oh, one of the top um, security attorneys in the United States. And but they started um, the securities exchange and everything of that nature over 200-something years ago. Oh, you wouldn't be able, an average person couldn't get access to that without spending millions of dollars a year. But mm-hmm. going with Solomon, oh, wow, mm-hmm. now you got access to brain power. <laughs> Not just Solomon's brain power, but brain power that's far greater than his. And it's the same in the financial world. So when I go there, it's not just my brain power and things of that nature. So when you say that I can't afford a attorney like this or I can't afford a marketing person like this, you can't afford not to. You have to determine if you want to be successful and if you want to be lifting all the weight. If you just want to be the smartest person on your ship, on the tier, uh, I'll have to tell them, then be the smartest person on your ship until your ship <laughs> sinks. Yeah. Okay, because that's what's going to happen. You know, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, my parents used to tell me something, and, of course, we don't get it. Um, correction, well, disobedience brings correction. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. So if you got to learn I heard that a lot. hard work. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be corrected. But obedience brings rewards. It brings less pain, less suffering. So that means you get to keep your money a little bit longer. You get to have access to more stuff. You get to meet some really exciting people. And guess what? You get to fulfill your dreams. Okay? And it's not to say it won't have some challenges and things of that nature, but here's the thing. If you're trying to find capital, as a new entrepreneur or even a person in business 10, 15 years, and this is not what you specialize in, and I'm trying to find capital, I have a better chance of finding and getting the capital. I have a better chance of finding it, getting it faster and quicker and with much better terms than you would ever get it at. And see, that's the type of stuff that's important when you're picking your team. If you're trying to negotiate a contract, well, if you got a great attorney over there that specializes in acquisitions and things of that nature, that's accustomed to negotiating contracts and things of that nature, well, you might think you're pretty good. But that person who's at the top of the industry and everything of that nature in the legal field and negotiating contracts or acquisitions, He's going to know what all the different laws and the rules are that, oh, where, where there will be a breach in the contract and things of that nature, what we should put in there, what we might want to keep a little bit open-ended in case we did have to go to court, what you might need to be financeable. Because a lot of people don't know, oh, wait, your contract is what we call an instrument. Okay. And if you okay. don't negotiate it correctly, you can't use it as an instrument. Now, that's a big one. People, I hope everyone wrote that down. Contracts yeah. are instruments, okay? And if they're not negotiated correctly, you cannot use them as an instrument. What do I mean by that? You can't go to the bank and set it up for collateral. You can't borrow mm. it. You can't go say, hey, I have this licensee that pays me every 30 days, quarter, or however often they pay you X amount of dollars and 
here's who they are. Sometimes that instrument is more valuable than your equity in your home, than money sitting in the bank. And, yes, I did say than the money sitting in the bank. The instrument is more valuable. And most people don't even know that. That's how important a contract is. And that's how important it is to have a book who understands how to negotiate things of that nature. Now, I said that. Attorneys negotiate contracts. But finance people make sure that there's covenants and things of that nature that goes into those contracts to help make them instruments. So you can't just have the attorney that can negotiate a great contract and everything of that nature. You got to have the finance guy that understands, okay, we may need down the road um, a line of credit, access to more capital. So we'll be able to pledge this as a instrument to the banks or to a private equity company or a VC. Or you may want what I love doing is taking small companies public so you can corner the market and go ahead and turn right back mm. around and roll up a lot of other companies. So these are okay. the things that have been so important. I'm sorry. I'm trying to jot down my notes. You guys, if you don't get your notes, I got them for you. I got them. Believe me, I got them. Um, what type of economic development plans have you developed um, that can provide prosperity for people of color? What we try to do when we're helping people that look like me, okay, and that come from all walks of life, the first thing we try to do is teach them what a business really is. Because a lot of people have a notion that a business is a simple thing of doing a transaction or providing a service. That's part of a business. A business breaks down to many different parts. And we're going to go back to you got your marketing part. And we all know marketing is a lot different than it was in the old days, okay, with yeah. social media yeah. and everything of that nature, and it's rapidly changing, okay? Then you have your legal aspect of it, okay? But then you have your finance piece. And so what we try to do is create a hub. Once you really understand that you're in business and your business is one business, but the raising of capital Okay, and the back end of all of this that basically operates and run your business, I call it the Bible. Okay, that's extremely important. Your Bible, how do you proceed? In other words, Nakia, if I am going to do business with you and I need you as a vendor to provide a service to me, you're probably going to have, as a vendor, you're going to probably send me a boilerplate contract. I'm going to have to go back to my Bible and see how we hire our vendors under what terms and things of that nature and on what kind of conditions. So that's, that's very important because most of um, the vendors might say, well, you got to pay us in net 10 days or pay as soon as the product or whatever is delivered or whatever. See, I'll never do that. So I teach my people and show them, hey, we always do business to business. So you're going to pay them in net 30 days. 
they don't get their invoice over in a certain time, guess what? They're going to get paid the next time we cut checks because we're not about to send out money every week or every day. That's too mm-hmm. hard to manage. I don't care how good you are. That's too hard to manage. So we're going to send out money, let's say, on the 25th, 27th of the month. And I need to have your invoices in by the 20. Okay. Now, all of those invoices that are in that my people go through, approve, and things of that nature, then we send out our wires or checks, whatever it may be. We do wires, actually. Uh, We send all that out by the 5th of the following month. See, that's in my Bible. And if I have that in my Bible, whether I'm in the business or not or on my vacation or in the hospital, anyone can pick up that Bible and know how to handle that vendor or a new vendor. Okay? Um, And so that's um, important. So and I'm getting to the question that you asked, but I have to build some (laughs) foundations. Okay? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, And so – Every company needs a Bible, standard operating procedures, some people want to call it, okay? I call it a Bible because guess what? It's the blood and life of your company, how you're making decisions. And you want to be very, very persistent in keeping everything the same because, look, the whole key of being in business is that business needs to operate when you're not what? Not there. There. I need that yeah. business to run if I'm not there. I'm not trying to be that hamster on the wheel or be in the rat race and just going around <laughs> and around and I'm not getting guilty. The end, guilty. Okay? I'm guilty. I'm so guilty of that. Oh. <laughs> so, so once we can get everyone to change their thinking and to change the concept of how they see business and what business is, now we're ready to make sure that they can get funded, okay? Because now we know, all right, you got a better chance of being successful now with these principles. The next thing we're, we're going to look at and say, is, let's say I'm going to use your daughter, okay? And she just jumped out as a new entrepreneur and things of that nature. So I'm going to look at the industry that she just jumped into, and I'm going to go look and say, okay, why don't we go grab some of the low-hanging fruit? Some of, and what I mean by the low-hanging fruit, let's go grab some of the other businesses out there that do exactly what you do or that support your business, and let's go buy them. Okay? Some people call okay. it a special um, purpose acquisition company. It's known by many different things. But the reason I'm going to do that, is it costs a lot of money to start from scratch and to start up a business, okay? But it's a whole lot cheaper if I go help you to buy a business and then we reshift the thinking and the service. So now you have historical numbers that you can rely on that the bank will help Ah, finance, okay? Because, see, this is very important. So I'm going to teach you how to get there because all that other crap, it don't get you there. We're going to get there. And this is what I need my people to understand who look like me. Here's how we, yes, start a business, but let's find the businesses and let's go buy one. 
Now I can use 10% of my money. Now I'm not using it all. I can mm-hmm. get into 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever it is, and the bank will now finance that business. And now I can say, oh, okay, I want to sell these particular products, so we're going to add a new line to what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's the direction I take you in, and I go raise the capital. So now you got a business that has been running and operating that has a historical track record that is financeable, okay, and we do everything correctly that will have um, instruments of collateral. So now we're going to probably roll up maybe four or five of those. So almost immediately you're going to go from a very small entrepreneur just in the idea and the concept of your idea, okay, into, oh, wow, maybe owning and running a million-dollar company in sales already. And now you plug in your vision, your dream, your roadmap. Now we're off to the races. And our chances of failure is limited. That's how we do it. And that's how they get the money. And that's what we do for entrepreneurs. And so that's how I was able to help one company corner the industry and smart home technology. That's how I took a company that had very small amount of energy sales up to the fifth largest minority company in the energy in the United States in less than 20 months. That's what I did. So it, so it, I see it's that we're exciting on the same wavelength. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength because that was going, I was going to lead up to talking about um, NDR Energy Group, as he just mentioned, um, is one of the largest minority-owned companies in the United States. Um, But then you also mentioned um, the um, owning the right to... Yes, yes. So I want to I wanna veer off just a little bit because I I learned this a couple days ago um, and was like, oh, uh oh, what happened? All right, so I'm talking about revolutionary concepts, okay? And um, can you? I don't know if you're at liberty to to discuss this, but um, what's going on with revolutionary concepts and the Securities and Exchange Commission? Well, the, um, if, if you're asking about the SEC complaint that they filed against me, yes, is, is that what you're asking about, Nikita? Yeah. <laughs> wow, the kid. Okay, you you hear me laughing, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I had to laugh too. You know, I read the article a couple of times. You know, and was trying it, to. Here's 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 the thing. I'm an African American man. Okay, and as I said, I don't have the degrees from Harvard and business and Yale and Princeton, but probably what I did have was I had the ability to corner the market in two different industries. And everyone trying to figure out how with two different publicly traded companies. Now, it's very important to understand this. I belong to a very unique club. You have 5 million companies in the United States with 10 or more employees. 5 million with 10 or more employees. You have less than 100 thousand companies that are minority owned 
that have 10 employees. Okay, you follow that, right? So you see the bit uh, yeah. there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, between the different publicly traded companies, counting everything from the pink sheets, OTC markets, NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, and a couple other little ones that they just brought out um, a few years ago, there's approximately 13,000 publicly traded companies, 13,000. Now, that's a big difference from 5 million. Mm-hmm. 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 That's a big difference from 100,000. Right. Guess how many black-owned, managed, and ran companies there are that's publicly traded? 13. I was going to say 10. Okay. So now you have this African-American man named Solomon Ali who has sat on the Mm -hmm. board of three publicly traded companies as an officer and a director and was responsible for raising them capital. Three. So that's a pretty large percentage of my people I was helping, right? Yeah. Okay, a, a few more, I would have been helping 50% of them, I would have been representing, right? So, that's how small the club is. Now, the 13,000 public companies have access to trillions and trillions of dollars. Trillions and trillions of dollars. The black companies, there's only 13, and three of them, I sat on the board as an officer and director makes capital for. So they didn't have access to all that money, right? They just right. had access to millions of dollars. I didn't know this until the SEC attacked me and said, well, you know, you hide behind these different trusts and you're supposed to disclose. Now, if you understand trust law, and I'm going to make this real quick, trust law states, that especially if it's an irrevocable trust, and that's the key word, what kind of trust is it? Irrevocable trust. Irrevocable, okay. That you cannot, right, you cannot own it directly or indirectly. So let me break it down, Nakia. If I had $10 and I gave it to you, Nakia, do I own the $10 or do you own the $10? I do you do. So if you invest it, and let's say you gave it to your business manager, your business manager, and he invested, who's responsible to disclose? It would have been what? It would have been either, it would have been your business manager, right? It wouldn't have been right. because I gave you the money. Exactly. Okay. So that that was their complaint, saying, hey, Solomon, you were supposed to disclose. And Solomon said, hey, whoa, hold up. The rules in the law is very simple. Mm-hmm. It's not complicated. I don't own it directly. I don't own it indirectly. I can't go tell Nakia's business what she's doing. She'll right. come back and sue me for being what? Liable. Liable, yeah. So, it, it, and so that was their whole complaint. Now, I feel their whole complaint. You know, my attorney will get mad every time I say it, but I keep saying it because <laughs> right is right and the proof is the proof. God mm-hmm. don't like us. 
okay? But when you lie to make up a complaint, you lied, you lied, and your complaint against someone, because anybody can put out a complaint against you, okay? Mm -hmm. But it should be factual when they do it. Your complaint is based on lies, okay? And I'm going to give you an example. You stated in your complaint that Solomon Ali put out a press release that said Greenwood Finance had X amount of capital and revenue. You quoted the press release and gave the date in the month the press release came out. Solomon said, hmm, I normally don't say that because I normally speak open-ended, and people mm-hmm. who know me know that's how I speak. Um, I go back, pull the press release. That's what the press release said. Uh-oh. didn't say that. It didn't say Uh-oh. nothing about Greenwood. What the press release said was our company was looking for companies that had revenue between this and this to do an acquisition. Wow. So that was an outright lie. You said I said something that I didn't even say. So a judge should have just turned around and threw it out. But the judge couldn't turn around and throw it out because what do liars normally do? They try to find a way to what? Support (laughs) their narrative. Okay. See, that's what the devil does, right? I mean, I'm just calling it what it is. The devil, their narrative. So you said I said something I didn't say. I proved that I didn't say it. You turned around and said, well, you said it. Well, no, I didn't. Here's the press release. Here's what you quoted. I didn't say it. You also said early on, here's another example. You said Solomon had control or indirect control of monies that were being lent out or whatever. Well, go pull up the Georgia law for irrevocable trust, and what's the thing it says? Can't own it directly or indirectly if it's irrevocable trust. So why why are we talking? Why do you have a problem with me? So your problem has to be what? The color of my skin. Your problem has to be that not, and I'm not saying everyone in the SEC is racist because I don't know everyone in the SEC. That would be faulty. Mm-hmm. But what I will say mm-hmm. is this, that people who filed the complaint against me are racist. And if you can stop Solomon and cause Solomon to lose credibility, Solomon can't help three, 400 companies get on right. the public market so they can have right. access to capital. Because they, I'm outraged that there's 13,000 publicly um, traded companies and only 13 black companies, and people don't understand, but they need to understand, this is why you don't have access to capital. We don't need your freaking handouts. We can do the work. We've been doing the work. We built the country. We built most of the Fortune 100 companies. We built most of the Fortune 500 companies. We are there. And guess what? We don't get the recognition. We don't get the credit for the jobs that we go in and do. We got COVID-19 going on. and Who, who they got out there um, doing COVID-19 and working? Us. Us. Uh, uh. And they're making all the money. <laughs> That's crazy. You want to kill us, but you don't want us to be able to 
own anything. Look, we we got a $27 trillion, I believe that's what it is currently, GDP in the United States. I heard you mention um, earlier, A, here's where I'm going with this. We spend between 5 to 7%. Our money contributes 5 to 7% towards that GDP. If we stop buying from publicly traded companies, from these fast food chains and things of that nature, we will bring the whole global, not just the United States economy, global economy to a freaking halt. Wow. So now when we look at the big picture, oh, mm-hmm. we got to get rid of that man. Yeah. Uh, we don't know where he came from and, right. and what supercharged him, but he got an anointing or whatever you want to call on him that he understands this stuff. And, hey, we can't turn around and do like we did in the past with Greenwood, right, which was they nuked it and said, oh, we don't know how they burned it down. See, our people keep doing the work, and we never get the handouts that they have got. Okay, look, if we go back in time, when they came over here, and I didn't mean to go this way, but you brought it, and you see how passionate I am about it now. I do. They came over here, and they got land. They ran up and down states out there, and they got land. So they got to start. We came over, most of us on the ship, as slaves, building this freaking country. We were the chattel. We were their commodities that they were trading and using as collateral on the stock exchange. People got to wake up, especially our people that look like me. We can do this. Then they turned around in the late 1800s all the way up to about the um, 70s. What did they do next? Oh, housing projects. So you got the housing projects. Okay, oh, we're going to give, create 28 housing projects, but 26 of the housing projects are for whites so that they can live close to the shipyards, so they can live close to the um, ammunition plants and things of that nature so that they can have jobs, and it was easy for them to get to jobs. But, oh, blacks can't live there. We're going to place you guys 20, 30 miles away where you have to come in to work from an hour to two hours just to get to work and go home the same distance. And we're not going to allow any low-interest loans or home loans and things of that nature for you to have so that you can get a head start in accumulating building equity and everything of that nature. So you save up your pennies and you go buy everything as you go to build your home And then, oh, we're going to keep flooding the black areas with more and more blacks and overpopulate until it becomes a slum or a ghetto. This is what has happened to us over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So when you say, what is the SEC? And I laugh because I understand it. I understand why they need me gone. Because if I can help 200 people, 300 people, now you got 300 publicly traded companies. And the labor 
um, statistics state is true that companies hire people that look like themselves. Now I have two, 300 companies that are publicly traded that have access now not just to a few million, but millions upon millions of dollars. Now they can hire people that look like me. They can hire people that look like you. They can hire other minorities. That's how we lift and rise our ship and become and gain our economic power back. We don't need a handout. What we need you to do is stop enslaving us Mm. and basically prostituting us, and you're getting all the benefits as you're killing us. See, you're putting Mm. my people that look like me out there on the front lines in these secret restaurants. Okay, and these fast food chains and these Walmarts and everything where else you got right. us in that front line. And who is COVID nineteen hitting the hardest? It's us. And we're not sharing in any of the profits or the rewards. Something's wrong. And that's a battle and a fight that we need to be fighting and we need to be having. You know. As they they say, black lives matter, but black wealth matters too. Because if you want them to stop killing mm. us, you want. I got a grandson. I don't want my grandson to be shot because see, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Robert Smith, That's right? You can be That's Michael right. Jordan. Yeah, it don't matter who you are because when they see you on the streets coming out of a place, they just to them. You're just another person of color. Just another. That's of right. No importance. See, the only people who really know you, and I learned this the hard way, the only people who really know you is the people that's in your circle. See, my bankers know me. My attorneys know mm-hmm. me. But when I walk mm-hmm. around on that street, most people don't know me. Most people right. are going to know some of the most successful black people when they see them, especially if they're not famous, if they're not an athlete or if they're not a movie star, okay? So you won't know those black business owners. So we hit and have the same problems, and we need to change that. And how you change that is by economic power. So black wealth matters. It makes a Mm -hmm. difference. Black lives matter, okay? And, you know, let let me go on um, and let you – Ask some more questions and let me stop. <laughs> you got the heart, Jason, girl. <laughs> All right, guys. So for more information on this racist prosecution of Solomon Ali, you can um, find this at supportsolomon.org. All right? If you came in late and you missed some of the information, like I said, you can go to um, www.solomon, I'm sorry, .supportsolomon.org, and you'll find out more information there. All right. Now, it looks like you are kind of a jack of all trades, you know. I, I just thought you were the businessman, um, the educator, you know, you dealt with the finances. Until I had the opportunity to actually look at the Solomon Ali Black Artist Benefits um, that I understand that you sponsor. There's uh, so many creatives right now being, you know, unable to get into venues, being able, uh, unable to get to festivals or you know, um, being able to go on tour um, right now because of everything that is going on. Um, please tell my listening audience, you know, why it was so important for you 
to be able to provide this opportunity for these artists and musicians and poets? I, I believe that art is a beautiful way to express yourself. And if I was struggling, I would want someone to help me. You know, it's not my industry. It's their industry. But I understand a struggle. And I understand, hey, you have a gift that you're trying to share, whether that make people laugh. Again, it goes back to being a service, right, washing someone's feet, um, solving right, right. someone's problems. You know, I, I, you know, after I get off this phone, I'm gonna have to go find me a comedy show, right? <laughs> it's like, I'm wow, sorry, you, you me there, but it, it's all good. And so, you know, we have musicians and everything out there that can't travel, that can't do shows and things of that nature, and they're not the well-known musicians and stuff like that. They're they're you know, trying to still get there. And sometimes people forget what a struggle is mm-hmm. and where you have mm-hmm. to start. Mm-hmm. And so I'm right. like, look, I got to help them to keep them encouraged because we don't know who's going to be the next who, things of that nature. And so you don't need people's dreams being snuffed out. And if you can contribute or help to do something and you have the means and the resources to do it, shame on you if you don't. <laughs> shame on you if you don't. Because, see, again, that's what helps to empower us, okay? That's That's what helps to get us there. You know, years ago, I I lost a great um, one of my business failures um, after um, having a chain of nursing homes. I I, I lost everything. You know, we were living in an 18,000-square-foot house um, not too far from Holyfield in Georgia, Fedville, Georgia, and I couldn't pay the electric bill. I couldn't pay the gas bill, 18,000 square feet. I was losing everything, and it was no fault of my own. And it was like, you got to be kidding. And so I can understand and relate to a struggle because mm-hmm. I've been high and I've been low, and God tells us to what? You got to be basically mink. You got to be humble no matter what stage you're at. And and you got to be able to be able to reach back and help people. So, no, uh, yes. And so that's why I do what I do. Um, you know, when COVID-19 came out, um, people said, hey, we need these testing kits. One of my teams was the first one to sit back and fund a company out of Georgia so they can get um, testing kits. Wow. And, you know, something rarely, you know, it was like, wait a minute, that's affecting us. That's affecting my community. I ain't got to wait on Joe Blow over here named Johnny or whatever um, to come and help my community, help my people. I have the resources and the means, and there's a person that's willing to go ahead and set everything up, and all they need is some funding so that they can get our people tested. You know, so I I was all in. You know, I was like, hey, whatever needs to happen, hey, let's make sure that happens because that's people who look like me. Right, right. Okay. And I'm going to tell a quick story. Okay. When when I was a little kid, we lived on 68 in San Pedro, right? And that's in East L.A. 
okay, there was a church bus that came by. And the church bus that came by would take you to church and stuff and give us a toy or stuff like that, right? I remember that. I'm 56 years old now. I remember that like yesterday, that church bus coming and stopping. And a lot of the kids on the street jumping on that church bus to go to church and things of that nature, and they giving us that toy. What if that man didn't do that? Mm-hmm. Maybe I wouldn't have the faith and the convictions that I have today. Mm-hmm. Now, it probably didn't affect everyone the same way it affected me. But it affected me. And I became and had an inner drive. And so you ask where that passion and all, that's where it comes from, all the different things that touch us in life that matter. So one of the things we did with our um, smart technology, right, we said, hey, churches are going through something. Um, Their tithes and offerings are going to be a little low. So mm-hmm. let's give the smart technology away to the churches so that they can give to their members who sign up for um, the smart home technology. And then they can go ahead, rather than paying, let's say I'm going to pick on CPI since their um, CEOs did a big boo-boo. Um, <laughs> rather than paying that, that company, right, you can pay – this company, a black-owned um, company that created the technology, that licensed to most of these people, and we're sharing those profits with the churches that you belong to. Wow. So the money that you were spending anyway to have your home monitor or your business monitor, you switch over to us, and guess what? Your church is going to get a percentage of those profits, and I don't mean no small percentage, neither. So those are the that things is awesome. that we are doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to me that our churches survive. Yeah. It's important that we stay spiritually connected. And it it doesn't matter if you're, you know, I have friends that are Jehovah Witness. I have friends that are Jewish. I have friends that are Mormon. I have friends that are Baptist, Catholic, everything. And we all get along. And we all come from different walks of life. And then I have some friends that, well, they're so educated and uppity, they don't believe in nothing. <laughs> and if I okay, but I tell you what. When you have a crisis, you, you, mm-hmm. you're going to um, cry out to something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it sure won't be yourself, <laughs> okay? That's for sure. And so we all have a spiritual connection to, you know, this universe, to this world, to each other. Because my, my Bible says that we were all in his image. Mm-hmm. All are in his That's image. Right. So it doesn't matter if you're black, white, whatever. And I'm just tired personally of them treating us the way they've been treating us, and we can do better. But to do better, we must know better. And since I know a little bit more, I don't know, I don't have all the answers. I don't. But what little information I do have, I can help you go from having very little as a business entrepreneur to having a lot. I know I can do that because I keep doing it. 
for myself and for others, so I know I can do that. I know I can tell well, you I'm rather gonna... than step here, step there, so that you can uh, miss that little um, trap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I most definitely want to thank you for being able to share with myself and my listening audience this evening. Like, I could pick your brain for six or seven more hours because I have so many more questions. Um, but unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, I thank all of you for being able to join in this evening. I, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to add any calls um, because I wanted to, you know, um, I wanted him for myself. I wanted to know everything about him and everything that he has going on. So I hope that you all were enlightened. I hope that you were informed. I hope that you do go over to the website and learn more about Solomon Ali, what he has to offer, what he's been doing. Um, if you'll go ahead and just give your contact information right now for anyone who's interested, you know, in um, capital for their startup, um, anyone who may need some advice, um, anyone who wants to support um, your your cause right now um, with the SEC, you know, if you'll go ahead and just open, I mean, the floor is now open up to you to so go ahead and get all of that confirmation out. Well, um, Nakia, um at SolomonRCAli.info is our website. We also have a podcast called Minority Business Access, um, MBA, Minority Business Access. You can pretty much pull the podcast up on all the different platforms. But our website is SolomonRCAli.info. Um, and, you know, one of you probably won't get me. You'll probably get one of my people, and they'll be more than glad to help and direct you. And you know, we pay attention to everyone's needs because we believe we're here to serve. And you know, what I would say is this: you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. All you need is the roadmap, and we can help you put that roadmap together. Um, now, that being said. Believe in yourself, trust in God, and with his, with your faith in him, all things are possible. Woo! And Amen. Nakia, thank you so, so much for having me on, and I hope I was somewhat of a help and a blessing to your audience and that they picked up a thing or two um, that they can use um, that will benefit them and prosper their life. I don't know about them. I can't speak for them right now. I'm sure I hear later on, you know, throughout the week how they felt and um, how receptive they were of the information that you provided. But I know that you have um, just, just shed a lot of light on some different things to me, and I know that they're going to uh, benefit me in so many different ways. So, again, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, guys, make sure that you are right back here on Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with multi-award-winning uh, rap and hip-hop artist Richie Evans. Um, and um, then back again on Monday. Yes, Monday. New Music Mondays, 8 p.m. Kako uh, Moore with My Struggle Is My Strength at 7 a.m. And I do not believe we have an interview. Um, but uh, if you cannot make them all, please, please, please do not miss them all. All right? Tell them again, thank you so much for joining me this evening. And you all be safe. Abide by all of the regulations that your city or your state has put in place throughout this academic and um, just, I'm sorry, this pandemic. And um, just remember to um, keep the servant mindset. All right? You guys have a good night.